Are you a fan of the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast? Do you want more episodes, more magic, and more guests? Do you want our show to reach and inspire more of those in need? Well, we can really use your support. If you would like to help us in our mission to spread awareness and destigmatize mental health struggles, we ask that you please subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast with friends, family, and folks you might think would enjoy and benefit from our content. Most importantly, please consider joining our Patreon community and becoming a contributor. As one of our Patreon contributors, you will get access to exclusive content, announcements, videos, and more. You will join a community of like-minded pop culture enthusiasts that celebrate our connections to our favorite movies, TV shows, icons, and superheroes. As a contributor, you will also be helping us support mental health charities as 15% of our proceeds are donated monthly. To join our Patreon community, go to www.patreon.com, make an account, search for Superhero Therapy, and select one of our tiers. Now, on with the show. The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we're getting into The Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter 7, The Boggart in the Wardrobe. This chapter starts out in Snape's potion class. Draco is being overly dramatic about the superficial injury he received from Buckbeak. Being the conniving person he is, he makes it so that Snape orders Harry and Ron to help him make his potion for class. And he kind of orders them around and everything like they're his little servants. What do you think about using an injury or a disability to manipulate like this? Unfortunately, what Draco is doing is called malingering. This is when somebody fakes an injury that they don't have, and it actually prevents people with real injuries from receiving the help and support that they need. There's so many individuals with injuries or disabilities, for example, that other people can't see that might either sometimes need additional support but might be afraid to ask for it or are being chastised or criticized by other people because other people might not understand what that injury or disability might mean. There are people that face discrimination and prejudice because of their disability. And yet people like Draco are the reason why some people might not understand how severe other people's injuries might be. So in Draco's case, his malingering, his making things up just to get some kind of secondary gain is not only to 
get Harry and Ron to help him, and not only to draw attention, but also to potentially hurt Buckbeak and to fire Hagrid, whom Draco, of course, doesn't like because Hagrid likes Harry. And I also think a part of it was for Draco to hide his embarrassment about being attacked by Buckbeak. And again, it's really unfortunate because Draco's behavior is more harmful than we might even realize and is harmful in more ways than one. This chapter is really interesting because it uses Neville to display teaching styles, in my opinion anyway. And Neville plays a big part in this chapter. It's stating that potions is Neville's worst subject and that Professor Snape really intimidates him and frightens him. Neville is having a lot of trouble with his potion and instead of it turning out to be the bright acid green it's supposed to, it turns out orange and Snape is livid. He viciously insults Neville and publicly humiliates him in front of the whole class. What are your thoughts on this approach to teaching? I actually think this is a terrible approach to teaching. We know that criticizing and humiliating someone into perfection backfires, and it makes that person so terrified that they will often make even more mistakes and they might be frozen with fear and might be too overwhelmed to actually learn. So somebody that uses fear and intimidation and plays favorites is not a good teacher. So even though Snape is my favorite character in terms of character development, I don't think he's a good teacher. I think he's a terrible teacher. Teachers like him are bullying students and emotionally abusing them. And for poor Neville, he doesn't get an opportunity to like the subject and to learn. So I think that a much better technique for somebody who has a student who's struggling in their class is maybe to have a private meeting with that student to see how the teacher can help that student, maybe through some after-class tutoring or some pointers, some suggestions, also through praising the kind of things that the student does right so that the student can take more pride in their work. Yeah, just using a student as an example in front of the whole class is just wrong. Hermione has this big sympathy for Neville, and even though Snape instructs her specifically not to help him, she does. He tells the whole class not to help him. He wants him to fail, and he wants to make an even bigger example of him, but Hermione decides to help him. Helping others in need is a very admirable and heroic action. What can be said about those who stick their necks out for others regardless of the consequences? Well, as you mentioned, it is heroic. It is The definition of heroism is somebody that does something to help other people or other animals, perhaps, even if it might cause them harm. And Hermione here disregards Snape's instructions and helps Neville, even though it ends up causing her a punishment. It, it causes her house to lose points. She knows that Snape is somebody who is abusive to other students, so I'm sure that she expected that there might be a retaliation, but she did it anyway because she was sick and tired, presumably, of watching Neville being mistreated in this way. I think it's a really powerful example of some of the ways that we can stand up to bullies. If we're unable to verbally stand up to them directly, there might be indirect ways in which we can support the bullying target, Neville, in this case, so that they're not alone in this kind of a terrible experience. Yeah. 
I just feel so bad for Neville in this, in this chapter, especially the way Snape treats him. At the end of the class, Snape gathers the whole class around Neville and forces Neville to drop the potion he made on his toad, Trevor. So he has to drop a couple of drops on Trevor. Snape is expecting something bad to happen to Neville's beloved pet. And I think that's just plain mean that he's using him as an example. But not only that, he's forcing him to potentially hurt or injure his pet. Even though he's expecting this, the outcome is different because Hermione helped him and it works out perfectly. Like you mentioned earlier, he takes five points from Gryffindor because he was helped and it's just a mess. I really love Snape's character just in general, but like you were mentioning, he is such a horrible teacher and he does do some awful things to his students. What do you think about this? I agree. I think that it's heart-wrenching seeing Neville's terror about what might happen to Trevor. I can't even imagine being in that situation if something like this was potentially threatening to one of my cats. Somebody might imagine something like this happening to their cat or dog or hamster. And so if we were in that situation, we would be terrified too. Somebody who is a big bully but somebody with a lot of power that can potentially injure or maybe even kill our beloved companion, right? Our beloved pet. And so I'm actually quite disgusted at Snape's behavior in this chapter in terms of the way that he's treating his students, the way that he seems to be getting joy out of this. And I was reflecting on this and wondering if this is how his father treated him. We know that Snape was abused by his father, kind of neglected by his mother, but his father really didn't accept Snape for who he is, for having magical abilities. And I wonder if maybe this is an example of somebody who had been bullied and then becomes a bully. Not everyone who bullies becomes a bully. Some people actually become extremely compassionate because they know what bullying feels like. So they end up being an advocate for people who are being bullied and other people become bullies themselves, sometimes even without realizing it. A part of me wonders if Snape knows that he's being a bully about the real impact of his actions and we know that he takes some pleasure in hurting his students in this way I think it gives him a semblance of control the kind of control he himself didn't have when his father abused him maybe when the marauders abused him when he was a student at Hogwarts and maybe he feels for the first time that there's some kind of a payback but it really causes so much harm to a student. So I wish there was a way to demonstrate to Snape about the way that his actions are impacting other people. Yeah, it's no surprise that Neville fears Snape. And I imagine a lot of the other students do too. I know Harry does. So after the students survive Snape's potion class, they all go to Professor Lupin's Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Lupin is a new professor and he treats Neville with kindness and encouragement. His teaching style is quite the opposite of Snape's. 
How important is encouragement and support from a teacher? Encouragement and support is important from anybody, from friends, from loved ones, but especially from teachers, from mentors, from individuals that are in a position of power because these individuals are influencers in a lot of ways. They hold a position of power and what they say really matters. There's a lot of weight to their words. So when Lupin is encouraging to students, especially to someone like Neville that has been mistreated by Snape and also his own family who didn't believe in him for so long, to have somebody like Lupin believe in him can mean everything. And we see this drastic change in The Prisoner of Azkaban and also in the subsequent book in The Goblet of Fire when Moody or, you know, somebody that we think is moody starts believing in Neville we see a huge growth from Neville when he has teachers who believe in him and encourage him and praise his work and we see him being able to grow from this we see him being able to find his voice and find his sense of identity and become a much stronger student academically and also become a much stronger individual interpersonally in terms of setting boundaries standing up for himself standing up for other people I think it all started here. It all started in this moment where Lupin believed in Neville, which I think was the foundation upon which Neville becomes the hero that he is. Mm, that is so beautiful. I, I love that this is his kind of launching point. <laughs> in this class, Lupin introduces them to a creature called a bogger. Intriguing, isn't it? to venture a guess as to what is inside. That's a bogger, that is. Very good, Mr. Thomas. Now, can anybody tell me what a bogger looks like? No one knows. When she get here? Boggarts are shapeshifters. They take the shape of whatever a particular person fears the most. That's what makes them so... So terrifying, yes, yes, yes. As with so many of the creatures in Harry Potter, this one has psychological connotations that just scream at you. Can you discuss the Boggart, its psychological connection, and how you've used this creature in your own work? Absolutely. So Boggart here represents people's biggest fears, right? As you mentioned, it's a shapeshifter that can take shape of whatever the person fears the most. And majority of the shapes we see here represent phobias, right? Whether they're snakes or spiders, these are common specific phobias. For Harry, on the other hand, his boggart turned into a dementor, uh, suggesting that, at least in my opinion, suggesting that Harry's biggest fear is facing the trauma of his past. The dementors remind Harry of the loss of his parents, of the trauma that he survived, of the trauma that he still hasn't even processed as a young person who had been through so much in his 13 years of life. And I think that for other people, the boggart can turn into something we fear most. We learn in subsequent books that for Molly Weasley, the boggart turns into the depiction of having lost members of her family, suggesting that her biggest fear is losing someone she loves. We know that for Hermione, the boggart would shift into one of the professors, I think Professor McGonagall, telling her that she failed all her classes, suggesting that what she fears most is failing and maybe even feeling like a failure. So in the movie, we see Harry facing 
facing his biggest fear in terms of facing a Dementor. In the book, Harry doesn't actually get a chance to face the Boggart, but in the movie we see the Boggart taking shape of the Dementor, which reminds Harry of his traumatic past. And so I think that for many people, it's not just a simple phobia that the Boggart might shape into. It is our biggest catastrophizing scenario in which we might lose people that we love and care about, in which we might feel like a failure, or in which we might face our bullies and people that intimidate us, like for Neville facing Snape, for example. And so it puts us face to face with not just what we're phobic of, but what our biggest traumas and insecurities and terrors are, maybe in a way that we can face them. So the way that I've used it in therapy is to ask the folks that I'm working with to imagine what their boggart might turn into and to imagine how they also might make that boggart ridiculous, how they might make that boggart less intimidating and to recognize that this terrible situation is not happening right now and also to recognize how they would manage the situation if it did happen. So often when we think about a worst case scenario, we stop there. We just think what would happen if I lost somebody that I care about, but then we don't think of what would happen afterward. We don't think of the people we would turn to for support. We don't think of the kind of resilience and skills we already have. So sometimes we might underestimate our own strength. And so the Boggart exercise can actually help a lot of people to recognize how many resources and magic they already have. So the way to control a Boggart in the show is to use the ridiculous spell. And what it does is it turns the Boggart into something comical. Laughter is what truly challenges a Boggart's effects. Luckily, a very simple charm exists to repel a Boggart. Let's practice it now. Uh, without wands, please. After me. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Very good. A little louder. Very clear. Listen. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. This class is ridiculous. Very good. Well, so much for the easy part. You see, the incantation alone is not enough. What really finishes a boggart is laughter. You need to force it to assume a shape you find truly amusing. Let me explain. Uh, Neville, will you join me, please? Come on, don't be shy. Come on. Come on. Hello? Neville. What frightens you most of all? Professor Snape. Sorry? Professor Snape. Professor Snape. <laughs> yeah. Frightens all. So the Boggart takes Snape's shape. That's kind of a rhyme. <laughs> and Neville imagines Snape dressed in his grandmother's clothes to make it funny. It has been said that laughter is the best medicine. How can laughter help combat our fears? Thank you for asking this question. I think we have a really complicated situation going on here. On the one hand, imagining one person in something that's incongruous, right? So something that is very different, like imagining Snape in Neville's grandma's clothes might be funny because it's something that doesn't usually happen. We don't see this going together. And something that we see as not going together can sometimes be comical. On the other hand, there's a different context here because what's uh, creating the laughter 
is a man dressed in woman's clothing, and we know that on several occasions, especially this year, J.K. Rowling came out to stand against trans rights, and now I think we can think of this scenario in a very different light, in that, you know, seeing someone in a clothing of what typically is attributed to opposite sex, especially a man dressed in what typically might be worn by women or stereotypically be worn by women, might have appeared comically in the 90s or in the past, but in the context of today's events, I don't think is comical anymore. Not only in terms of trans rights, which I firmly support and stand by, but also in terms of equality, that everyone should be able to wear any kind of clothing that they feel comfortable in. Now, on the other hand, we also talked about laughter in general. In the movie, we see the Boggart, for example, let's say Ron's Boggart, being a giant spider who then is on roller skates. In the book, the spider actually really horrifically, not funnily, loses its legs. But in the movie, we see the spider on roller skates. This kind of funny picture can make us laugh. Now, the way that I've used the Boggart exercise to make certain situations ridiculous is that I have people imagine some kind of a fear. Let's say somebody with social anxiety imagine that they fall while they're practicing roller skating or rollerblading, and I ask them to imagine the situation but blow it out of proportion. For example, I've had people write a ridiculous statement where they might say, for instance, I fall off my skateboard and everyone in school is laughing at me and they make a video and it goes viral and it's number one trending video on Twitter and it is the number one story in the New York Times, even ahead of the election results. <laughs> and it is something that is posted in Times Square. And everyone in the world refers to me as that person that fell off the skateboard. And I am, you know, notorious and infamous in this way forever. And so, of course, this makes it absolutely ridiculous and silly. And so it helps the person to see that even if they fell off a skateboard, it really wouldn't be as big of a deal as they had imagined, allowing this person to then do an exposure of not just skateboarding, but maybe even purposely falling off the skateboard and seeing what happens. And so I think that when we can add an element of either laughter or an element of taking away the threat in some kind of a fashion, it can make this kind of an experience more empowering for the individual that has been living in fear over something. So in a lot of ways, what Lupin is doing is similar to what therapists might do in terms of teaching their clients to face their fears in a safe way and allowing them to see that they can face their fears and overcome them. That's wonderful. He is such a great professor. He is so encouraging and supportive and he puts on a very brilliant class. And that's where this chapter ends is with Harry Ron and them saying, wow, that was such a wonderful class. That was the best <laughs> Defense Against Dark Arts class we've ever had because they actually learned something and they learned a valuable lesson. And I hope you're learning lessons in this episode of Harry Potter Therapy, which we are going to go ahead and end right now. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or on Instagram under Dr. Janina Scarlett Official. 
For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag Harry Potter Therapy. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe out there. Stay magical and take care.